sabrosura para ti que qué. The Café Con Pan, the bilingual podcast that features Latinx and people of color, the fearless, break barriers, change lives, and make this world a better place. Welcome to episode 171 of Café Con Pan. Today, we have a conversation with Rita Bautista. As founder and CEO of the Latina Podcasters Network, Rita connects aspiring and established Mujeres Latinas and the Latinx community. She has been called a bold, innovative thinker and cultural connector by her peers. She's responsible for hosting the first Latina podcasters meetup at any podcast convention. Her passion and love for the podcasting industry came in 2019 when she launched her first podcast, Empowerment and All That. This podcast was dedicated solely to empowering women by delivering motivational interviews and episodes. Her desire to keep growing in the podcast community and find cultural relevancy was a driving force to develop Latina Podcasters Network. Latina Podcasters is the first and only global podcast network committed solely to amplifying the voices of Latina and Latinx mujeres. Listeners, we are back this week with Rita's story, and one thing I love about Rita is her generosity. Rita is generous with her knowledge, she is generous as a podcaster, and as the founder of the awesome Latina Podcasters Network. Hi friends, you've heard me talk about this EFT tapping. And I know you're curious. It's a tool created to help you collapse and reduce emotions we are going through. I actually started tapping back in 2007 and it changed my life. Tapping has helped me recover from procrastination. It's helped me feel calmer and tapping has also helped me manifest money, believe it or not. When the pandemic hit and George Floyd was murdered, I felt a ton of fear and sadness around us. So I went to Instagram and started tapping for all of us. You liked it and asked for more. So now we can tap together every week on Patreon. I want everyone to have access to this incredible tool so you can join my self-priced membership where you choose what you pay and benefit from the power of this amazing practice. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash Café Con Pan podcast. During our conversation, Rita shares her experience with Hurricane Katrina, with Hurricane Katrina, how she became a minimalist and started from zero. We talked about going through hardships and building resilience. Also, listeners, this interview was recorded at the beginning of COVID, so we didn't know what we know now. In case you hear conflicting information or you hear us talk about the situation in kind of a lighter way, but that's because we had no idea what was happening. Y bueno, sin más, les dejo mi entrevista con Rita Bautista. Okay, Rita, hello. Welcome to Café con Pam. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited. We've been talking for like 30 minutes. <laughs> like, I know, right? What are we going to talk about now? <laughs> now you have an awesome story, so let's dive in. So tell us who you are. What's your heritage? So my name is Rita Bautista, and I am a, as I used to describe it, I'm Honduran. My parents are both from Honduras, but I was born here in New Orleans and raised between New Orleans and Baltimore, and I currently live in Houston. So I've had the best of all worlds. Yeah. How did your parents arrive to to New Orleans? Oh, my gosh. So it's interesting. Both my parents ended up in two different places. My mom ended up in Baltimore with a visa the first time. Then she came illegally, and then she came back again legally. And then my dad came here with a visa to New Orleans, which is a huge population of Honduran people for all those Hondureños that are listening to me. There's a huge population because Chiquita Banana used to be headquartered there. I mean, the story's pretty rich. 
and dynamic. And I think I should probably tell it one day, but it's, it's a really interesting story. Like Tulane university has a lot of really thick ties in, into Honduras. And like, they actually have a whole bunch of like Las Estelas from the Mayan ruins. Uh-huh. They actually, in the 1900s, went to Tulane University, went to Honduras and made copies of them. And they're sitting in New Orleans on, at the military base. Okay. Fun fact. Very fun yeah. fact. So how is it that it's a big population in New Orleans? That's a, I mean, it's not random, but it's like not your big cities or, you know. Right. Well, for anybody who's been to New Orleans, they have that, like, it has that European small town feel and the climate's really tropical. And, you know, it's, if it's, if you're going to be close to home, you might as well be close in temperature too. But like I said, the Chiquita Banana used to be housed in, or their headquarters was in New Orleans. So since a lot of Las Bananeras in Honduras were also, like, I guess they were reporting to New Orleans everybody who was coming over from Honduras to New Orleans found out about it because of the banana trade. Hmm. So interesting. Y se quedaron. Y se quedaron. <laughs> Llegaron para quedarse. Yep. So your dad arrives there and then your mom is in Baltimore mm -hmm. and then they meet somewhere in between. So they actually met in Honduras for the second oh. time. Yeah. My mom went back to Honduras the second time. And then while she's in Honduras with my brother, she had gotten married in Baltimore and then it didn't work out. So they got, she got divorced and then ends up in Honduras. And that second go round, she meets my dad in Honduras and she comes back to Baltimore with my brother. Once all our, you know, her residency came out and everything, she went back. And then my dad ends up in New Orleans and he's like, you need to come check this out. This is like Honduras number two, like, you know, <laughs> come visit me. And sure enough, she goes down there. They fall in love with each other. And then this beautiful child was born. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And the rest is history, as they say. And you grew up there. I grew up half and half. So like half of my childhood, I lived in Baltimore because we end up we end up moving back. My parents got divorced when I was about two. Okay. So it's a beautiful, uh, <laughs> beautiful love story. Yes. <laughs> but they get divorced and we end up back in Baltimore, which is where like still to this day, our family is split between New Orleans and Baltimore. So you left with your mom? Yeah, I left with my mom. And then my dad stayed in New Orleans. But you know, Like I said, there's a huge community of Hondurans there. And when my grandmother used to go visit them when they were married, she fell in love. And, you know, donde va la abuela se mudan todos. Yes. We were living in Baltimore and then my grandmother was like over the cold weather. So she moves to New Orleans. And then one by one, all of her kids start moving right after her to New Orleans. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. But, yeah, I, I was raised between both cities. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience, honestly. How did you make it to Texas? Hurricane Katrina. Mm. Yeah. So the first go around, this is my second time in, in Houston. I really love it here though. Like it's, it's a good space, but after hurricane Katrina, I was in college and then my university had shut down for a while and I was 20 years old and I just wanted to experience life. So I moved to Houston and lived here for five years and partied way too hard. <laughs> Didn't graduate here and ended up having to go back to New Orleans to finish school there and then live there for eight years. And now I'm here. <laughs> okay, so we bounced too fast. So you decided to go to college in New Orleans. In New Orleans, how do you say it? New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh -huh. New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, yeah. So you go to college there. Katrina happens. You experience Katrina. Yeah, it was. So we evacuated. Our family used to consider hurricanes as most people who live in the South. 
as like just a three day vacation, right? Like you always like kind of prepare for your random beach town, beach vacation or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as luck would have it, unfortunately, this was not one of those experiences. You know, we evacuated. We all like my entire family ends up in Orlando and we're at a resort. And the only person who was left behind was like my father, like lived on his own and everything, but he was there and he picked up the dog that I had at the time because I left her in my apartment. It took him like three days to get there. It was just like a a disaster. It was a mess. And then couldn't find him, (gasps) which was really scary. We couldn't find my grandmother and my grandfather, which was really scary. I mean, it was definitely like a very that I, I should probably write a book about just that experience. And then how that dives into like all of these things that I grew from as a person in general, right? Because you never expect these like really crazy natural disasters to cause so much of an issue or change so much, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, the trajectory of my life at that point was we were just going on vacation. I was going to come back. The semester was going to start. And then nothing, none of that happened. But that's just life. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I'm sure you learned a lot of lessons. You can't find your dad. You can't mm-hmm. find your grandparents. How long does it take you? What was interesting is my grandmother had just gotten a Nextel. And like, you remember the little trips? Nextel. Yeah. <laughs> so I had just taught her how to use it because I had one too. Okay. And I was like, look, it's like a walkie talkie. And, and I was obsessed. So like anybody who knew me during that time who had a Nextel, like hated me because I was that friend that was chirping people at all, all hours of the night. And I was like, Brr! what are you doing? Like, like, <laughs> stop chirping me. I'm sleeping. And so I taught her how to use it. And luckily, what was it like three, four days later, we find out that they were forced to evacuate. And then they end up in Pensacola at a shelter, her and my grandfather, because the police like forced them to leave. So that was crazy. And then with my dad, it took almost five to six days because he stayed in the city. And then he went downtown. They were staying in a hotel and when the floodgates broke, the water started coming down into the city. Mm-hmm. And he said that it got to like, it flooded like the first floor of the hotel, but they luckily, I mean, up to their waist. So they luckily were able to get out in time. Not it, not, that hotel didn't fill up all the way, but like, you know, I mean, first floor is where your lobby is, where your food is, all that stuff. So it becomes just like a really uncomfortable situation where they had to re-evacuate after they evacuated. How does that happen? Because if the water is up to their waist, then how do you transport? Well, they get out and they start walking. Luckily, they they parked the car at a different location. So they were able to take the car out of the garage before the water started getting into the areas of the other garages where they were. Whoa. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Oh my gosh, I could imagine that like uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I started crying when I finally was able to get a hold of him because you know, we have like five days and then you're watching the news kind of like what's going on right now, like everyone's freaking out, but like you really are. And then at that point, that's a real natural disaster where you can't control what's going on. You have no idea. I mean, you can't really control the flooding. It was, it was pretty traumatic. I mean, by the time I was able to talk to him, like I said, it was about five or six days later and yeah, he was okay. So, yeah. And he had your dog. He had the dog. Interestingly enough, I don't have her anymore. It's okay, though, because luckily she ended up with a good family. So they end up like, just like anyone else who was in the city, you end up like all over the place. Everyone's dispersed all over the place. And so like he takes the dog to this motel and then she becomes like the savior dog of the hurricane or whatever. So I think it's just because she was like little tiny thing and she's just really excited. So... 
they end up with the person he was seeing at the time in Atlanta at her like niece's house or something like that. And then, you know, I felt bad for the dog because she had been all over the place. And luckily the home that she ended up in, they had a child and then she was sleeping with the, t- the dog in the bed. And I was like, oh, as long as the dog, you know, like as long as she's being treated the same way I would treat her, then I'm okay with like them keeping her because I don't want to keep like shuffling her back and forth. That's pretty traumatic on animals too. Right. So. Oh my gosh. Because I went to New Orleans after Katrina, like two or three years later, and you could still see the city completely just done. Yeah. Even the years later. I haven't been back since, but I mean, I, I know it took a long time to rebuild. You know, I think the thing about it is, so for the first couple of years, there was like, it was, it was really heartbreaking. I mean, it was just like the soul of the city was gone. You know, people were really, if you are from New Orleans, or if you've ever visited New Orleans, obviously, most people associate it with like excitement and fun and like, you know, joy and drinking and all that stuff. And that's really just like the culture of the city. Mm-hmm. They're very excitable people, very fun and like, you know, welcoming. And so when something that devastating happens, I mean, it's basically like tearing the soul out of someone. It's pretty sad. For sure. It took a little while, but you know, the thing is, you just got to keep on, keep on going. And then now, I mean, they're thriving. Brand new airport. I was surprised. I was just at the airport the other day for my cousin's wedding. Rocio got married. So, um, oh, fun. yeah. So I was down for a wedding and like, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, it's just to see like the comeback of the city. It's it's a very resilient place. I mean, it's been around for over 300 years. So a little water isn't going to stop it. Well, and that's the power of unfortunate circumstances when, and unfortunately, sometimes that's when people come together, right? Mm-hmm. When those disasters happen, it's like when, like, I remember when the, the earthquake in Mexico City happened a few, a year or so, that's when everyone got together to like rebuild the city. And so mm-hmm. humanity is resilient. Oh, yeah. Rita, so you go to Orlando and then you're like, okay, let's, let's relocate. You decide to move to Houston and then we don't go back to college. We just. Or you do? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, I actually ended up pledging a Latin sorority here. I'm part of Sigma Lambda Gamma. Okay. What? But uh, I went to Texas Southern while I was here. And I was there on and off. But professionally, I had already had a career in hospitality for a long time. Like I was a restaurant manager. And then I moved it. I shifted into the performance and development training portion of that for corporate restaurants. So like I had a career while I was in college. So I didn't really focus too much on that until the market crashed. And then I was like, okay, all these engineers need to get out of my industry. But <laughs> Right. So that was another lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So Katrina came and then the recession. Mm-hmm. And then what did Rita do? Rita pivots. Rita pivots a lot. That's just something that I've learned to be is very resilient. And it's interesting because right now, right, you know, we're thinking about like, I'm actually mentally planning for this prior to now, but, you know, living through a recession before, it's like, I think people are really afraid of not being who they are right at this particular moment. And I challenge people to be curious regularly, like be more curious about other things other than what's right in front of you, because you never know, like the last thing you want is a devastating blow just because the economy shifts and your career changes. Like you don't wear the same underwear every day. What makes you think that you're going to be the same exact person every single day? You know? Yes. So for me, it was funny because it's like talking on the phone with one of my buddies earlier. And I was like, you know what? I don't even care if like, like, so what if, if the healthcare industry drops, which it's not, because that's just not a thing, but like if it drops and 
I don't have this position right now, then, you know, for something temporary while I'm developing the other things um, that I'm working on, I don't mind doing little random odd jobs or getting contracts to help people get other jobs. Like I, I've already understood that. Like I've been the person who's cleaned a house before and have not had a problem with it. I am a professional with a college degree, but that doesn't stop me from, you know, making money. Anybody can make money. It's really like, how are you going to leave your mark on the world? You know, and, and a recession is just something that's temporary anyway. Right. It's about the choices that you have right. because you can sit there and cry or you can do something about it. Yeah, but we weren't built to be that way. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's I think that's one of the powers of being Latina is like, especially our, our generation, right? We live in this amazing space that I think sometimes we, we take for granted. It's like, you know, some of us are bilingual, some of us are not, and that's okay too, right? Like some of us have had the opportunity to go to college and get our degrees and have worked like mediocre jobs prior to, or some of us haven't, you know? But the, the, the good thing is, is that we've grown up seeing the ability to pivot and live some, you know, live in poverty and move to like middle class or upper class, whatever you want to call it. And, and if that, if you fall, you're not falling like too far. You just, you know, it's temporary. Totally. I love that. Okay. So let's take a quick coffee break. Rita, do you drink coffee? I do. What's your coffee of choice? Oh, there's two. There's this coffee that I've fallen in love with. And my dad has to bring me back from Honduras. It's called Cafe Indio. And it's got a little like, it's got five grams of sugar in it, but it's this little. Oh, black. yeah. It's so good. I mean, it's really good, but I mean, it comes in a red box or a red bag and it's got, you know, obviously un Indio, Indio Maya on them. And then it's little pouch, little tiny pouch of coffee, super strong. I only put like a spoonful in for like two cups but I tell you, you're going to be awake for the whole day. And I drink it black. So that's good. So that comes with a little, a little sugar. So it's a little it's sweet? A little, like a little tiny bit. For the whole bag, I think it's like five grams of sugar. Oh, it's, teeny. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah. And is it like instant coffee? No, you have to brew it. Okay. Okay. But oh, so good. So good. <laughs> How often do you get it? So I just ran out and he got me like four bags when I went to New Orleans. Luckily, they have a place in New Orleans that brings it. But the last time he brought it back from Honduras for me, and I was like, okay, I want this stuff. Like, this is going to be my coffee. Right. So, yeah. Can you order it? I haven't thought about that yet. But a part of me is like, <laughs> I kind of want to bring it myself. It's, it's I, well, yeah, yeah. Take a trip. Why not? I know, right? Okay. And do you have a favorite coffee shop? Over there in Houston right now? Yeah, there's one right across the street from my house. It's called Cavo. They do this really awesome thing with their cold brew where they pour, I guess, like they have to get up on a ladder and put it up at the top. And it's this glass, kind of like a big beaker that has a glass tube that comes all the way down to the bottom where the, the coffee drips out. It's so good, too. Yes. I'm so addicted to coffee now. <laughs> Blame it on that. That's a very specific way of, it's almost like distilled. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I've so seen good. very few places that have that. And there's a name for it. I can't remember right now, but there's a few. Very few. Delicious. Mm -hmm. Delicious is the name. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Okay. On my end, I'm going to be repetitive a little bit. I'm drinking Four Sigmatic, mm -hmm. which is mushroom coffee. And I really shouldn't be drinking it because my my Ayurvedic doctor said that coffee's not good for me right now mm -hmm. because I am under high stress every day. That's just my temperament, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so adding caffeine to my body just makes the stress like go even higher. But mm -hmm. I had this cup today because 
it's such a rainy day in San Diego and I I get very affected by by the weather and so mm-hmm. it was like it I was like I just want to be in bed and watch movies and not do anything so I had to have a cup of coffee to like up myself up so for Sigmatic if you want 15% off you can use my code stay shining for sigmatic.com it's awesome and it's mushroom coffee that has adaptogenics and mushrooms wait like <laughs> <laughs> what kind of mushrooms? Microdosing. Oh, I like this. Uh-huh. So, for example, the one that I had today has ashwagandha and another mushroom. Well, ashwagandha is not a mushroom, but it has like good things for your brain. And what I love about Four Sigmatic is that I don't get jittery. So, like for example, when I drink this one, the one that has ashwagandha, it makes me alert, but it makes me calm because it doesn't have the. I don't know what it does. Like, I don't have the science behind it, but it just, I, I like it. That's awesome. I've been hearing about microdosing a lot, mm-hmm. especially because I've had a lot of anxiety and have gone through depression in the past. Luckily, at this point in my life, things have gotten so much better. And like, you know, but I've heard like just the amazing effects that microdosing can have on the body. So interesting. It's pretty good. Lots of signs behind it. I might have to use your code. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Okay. So let's get back to the show. Okay, Rita, we're back to your story. So so you make it back to Houston. You're in Houston for five years, and then you go back, you finish school, and then you decide to go back to Texas. No? I mean, it takes a little bit of time. I mean, like, there's, like, relationships and all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, failures and lots of failures. Yeah, it's the same. Like, I fell into kind of, like, a, a little bit of a depressive mode trying to figure out. I think I felt... Like I was going through a midlife crisis in in my thirties, like right, <laughs> it's crazy. You had the quarter life crisis. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> you know, you're just like I thought I was supposed to be like a brain surgeon by now. What did you study? Uh, business and urban planning. I wanted to be a lawyer, and then I ended up being a lobbyist for a little while. And then I left the position that I was in at the time because I thought I was getting another position, and then I didn't get that job, and then the other job. Also told me no. And I was just like, what is going on? I'm a professional, you know, but. How did you overcome that? I had to finally let go of my expectations. Mm. I had to let go of what I thought I was supposed to be and just be open to whatever opportunity was going to come. And not in a space of desperation, but more of a space of like, you know what? The universe is trying to tell me something and I keep going against the grain I was like, if the universe is going to keep kicking my ass, I'm going to have to listen to like whatever. Like it's telling me there's a reason why it doesn't want me to do this. And, you know, I kept thinking, I was like, oh, I'm a lobbyist. I'm going to be a lobbyist. I'm going to go back into policy and I'm just going to be a badass and all this stuff. And and, and the world was like, no, you're not, you know? And it's like, I think that's it's a good example. I think in general with life, right? It's like, sometimes you just got to stop and just stop beating yourself up and just like, let go a little for all my planners out there who plan every single thing, it's okay. Sometimes it's okay to just go with the flow and see what happens, you know? Things that are supposed to happen correctly or right in your life are going to happen organically. And then you can just pick it up from there and then, you know, obviously grow it. But that's basically what happened. You know, I was I was down to doing small consulting jobs for, for nonprofits that I was working with in the past for one of my friends. And then just later odds and ends, random stuff until I was going to get back on my feet to where I am now, which I pivoted into the healthcare industry as a rep for a sleep studies lab. 
But, you know, I would have never, I mean, like five years ago, I wouldn't have thought I was going to be back in Houston. I didn't think I was going to be a rep. I didn't think who would have ever thought I was going to be in healthcare, that I'd be podcasting, like all these things. When I finally got out of my own way, like flood, like it was like a flood of just great things that started happening, you know? Mm-hmm. So you detached from the expectation. And how was your integration moment? Oh, it wasn't easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like when I got to Houston, I got rid of everything. Like I sold everything. I had a whole two-story apartment full of furniture and everything. I was like, I, I want nothing. I don't, I don't, I want to start. Like I was going crazy. I was losing my mind. I was like, okay, what else do you want? Like, I don't know what else I could give of myself at this point. So I'm just going to start fresh. And that's what I did. I mean, like it took my brother to like <laughs> come to Houston. I'd be like, okay, you're not sleeping on an arrow bed anymore. You got to get a bed. Like you have to go buy a bed. You have the money. You can go buy a bed. And I'm like, okay, right. I'm going to go buy a bed. Like, it was, it was a thing, but I was so happy, like removing everything. And I was going like, it's so weird when you just remove all the distractions and you really get a chance to face yourself. It can be really scary because you start unpacking so many things. And I was mm-hmm. lucky that while I was going through this little journey of like, you know, ups and downs and emotions and feelings. And I lost my grandmother who she was like basically my star and my moon in life. And I lost her and then I had fallen in love and that ended too. And it was just like, what, you know what I'm saying? Like you really do think that these expectations of life's just going to drive you because everything you want is just going to happen. And it's like, yeah, maybe it will, but your journey is not going to look exactly like you expect it to, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, started unpacking everything that I had ever just built up and left inside as I was becoming this person, this professional person that was trying to hide from a lot of things, I think. And man, I'll tell you, that was a journey. <laughs> <laughs> was that when you had, were depressed? I think I was finally upswinging. I was lucky, like I said, I was lucky that I had already decided to take the journey of um, mental health and um, started therapy a couple of years beforehand. I don't know how I would have been able to handle any of that that was coming had I not have prepared myself mentally. So you had some tools. I did. I did. But, you know, I mean, even when you do have tools, right, like you can have the how to guide to like breakups and <laughs> how to, you know, navigate career changes and all this stuff. But everybody is different. Everyone has and it has to go through something in order to really understand and appreciate things. So yeah, it was a very interesting experience. For sure. Why do you think once you detached yourself from all the things, what was the resistance of getting them again? Like not wanting to get a bed? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think when you, the peace of not having anything, there's no pressure, you know? I was like, oh, this is great. Like I, I don't need anything, you know? I don't need anything except for myself in like, I mean, I'm not saying like no family or anything, but I mean stuff like we buy stuff. Now don't get me wrong. Now I really want like stuff. (laughs) But at that moment, that like feeling of peace of just like, I can be at peace and at comfort with myself. Yeah. When you remove yourself of stuff, it's, it's really like the only thing that you have left is, is listening to yourself. And, And sometimes that, that void of silence and peace is priceless, you know, Mm -hmm. like I still to this day think that there, so I started practicing yoga and I attribute a lot of my growth and a lot of the ability to understand to yoga. 
because I get to the space of understanding what the center point of everything is, right? It's like, once you understand how to navigate the really high highs and the really low lows, and you figure out that like the center of space is where you live in the best, like nothing can really knock you off of your road anymore Mm -hmm. because it's all part of it. You know, like you start to accept everything as like, oh yeah, it's fine. Like I got this, you know, like I've been here. I I understand like it might suck, but it's just emotions and those pass and you'll be back on it again. So nice. I love that outcome of life. Rita, you are also a fellow podcaster. Tell me about your podcast. How did that happen? It's funny that you say this because I actually went and listened to my first episode not too long ago and I love to go back and listen to you it. Did. Yeah. It's terrible, but it's great. Like <laughs> right, your first right. episode, you're like, this is horrible. But I always tell myself, I'm like, I'm never going to edit this episode because I feel like it's always going to be a reminder of the journey, right? Like the beginning parts mm-hmm. of everything. So my uh, podcast is called Empowerment and All That, and it's a woman's empowerment podcast. It started by accident. I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. I didn't think it was going to do anything, you know? And still to this day, I tell everyone, I was like, I'm working and developing on another project for another podcast, but this podcast will always remain what it is. And I appreciate it for what it is. And I feel like every time I say that, it gets more listeners and I'm like, oh my God, stop listening, please. (laughs) But I love it because honestly, like it's just a genuine piece of who I am. And I wanted to share what I was given during my personal journey with other people because, you know, I would listen to like Abraham Hicks and Rachel Hollis and Les Brown and Tony Robbins and all these people. And I was like, you know, I appreciate what they have to say because, you know, there are days that you wake up and you don't have any energy and you're just like, I don't know what I'm going to do today, but I just, I can't anymore. You know, like I'm exhausted. And I would listen to something motivational. It would get me moving. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. I can, I can take the world on again. And like, you know, one more time, one more day, like we're good. So I felt it was necessary to share, you know, the same thing. I'd actually, honestly, I'd started sharing quotes on Instagram before I did that. I was like, you know, I'm going to share all the quotes that I used to listen to or that I used to see when I was sad and upset at like two o'clock in the morning, just scrolling through Instagram, looking for positive quotes. I'm going to share that. And so that's where I started. I started sharing that. And then Mm -hmm. one day I found an app that was a free app to launch a podcast. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I'm going to launch a podcast. I see. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to do it. And then my girlfriends, they were like, just hit record. You're going to do it. You're going to do it right now. I'm like, okay. The first episode was called self-love and all that. And there are two friends of mine who are here on fellowship to be urologists. And they are both of one was from India and the other one's parents are Indian. And it's interesting when you're talking to the 1%, like 0.1% of who they are, like you know, listening to their stories and their message of the same exact feeling that any one of us have, you know what I mean? It just kind of just, it makes things a little bit more real. It makes you feel like, you know what, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, these feelings of vulnerability, these feelings of need, it happens to everybody. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. Right. I love it. Where can we find your podcast? Oh, I'm everywhere on Instagram, (laughs) on Instagram, on iTunes, on Spotify, um, 
Yes, what is it? Stitcher and Google Cast and Anchor is what I use right now. And then I also uploaded it on YouTube. So for those people who, you know, who don't have Apple, there's no excuse. You can go on iTunes, uh, on YouTube and find empowerment and all that. It's up there. How fun. So you mentioned that you have another podcast in the works. So is empowerment and all that going to take a break or? No. What's mm -hmm. happening? Truthfully, like I said, every time I think I'm backing away from it, I get a message from somebody and they're just like, wow, this episode that you posted, it just gave me life. And I'm like, I didn't even know anybody's listening. You know, I mean, I think that right, happens right. to a lot of podcasters where you're like, oh, for I didn't sure. realize you were listening to me. I don't, you know, you're like number 36 from North Carolina, you know, like, I don't know. Right, right, right. And, you know, it's really cool because I also encourage people to like reach out if you want to talk to somebody or you want to reach out to someone like try it anyway you never know they might respond back to you i literally have responded to every single person who's ever reached out to me i don't know if that's going to be something that continues on forever and ever but i just i believe in the power of connectivity and the power of community which is one of the reasons why you know latina podcasters was birthed but no one intentionally says no unless they really just don't have the time you know, I mean, we're all in different places in our lives. But yeah, if you ever want to talk, if you want to reach out, just reach out. Like, totally. I've always done that. And people have never said no to me. But I'm also really, really like, I can sell it. So <laughs> right. I have the gift of gab. So <laughs> I love that. I love that. So you'll you'll keep it up. Yeah. And then you might start another one. Yeah, I am going to start another one, actually. So um, as I mentioned, I was raised in Baltimore. And my love for sports is really big. I actually connected it the other day. I was trying to figure out exactly why. But I connected it. the reason why I love football so much now is because like, you know, when your family comes here and the way to connect to each other is like on Sundays for cumpleaños or bautizos or whatever's going on, you know, you're, it's always like surrounded by soccer, sports, boxing. Like we used to watch all these things and we were able to scream at the television, be as loud as we wanted. We didn't have to like hide our identity or our culture or whatever. Like we, we just could be who we were naturally, you know? And so on Sundays, I feel very American because I could yell at the television with everybody else and not have a problem with it. So my podcast is actually going to be a sports-based podcast. Oh, how fun. Yeah. There's not a lot of women. Not at all. That's mm -mm. great. Especially Latinas. So I, I encourage everyone to launch a podcast for everything and anything. Whatever you're passionate about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Somebody's going to listen to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Okay. So... Tell us about Latino podcasters. You mentioned it already. Yeah, I know. It's my baby right now. So how did that born? I am actually very proud of, I don't know if you would call it a passion project or, you know, like, um, I think it happened. I think it's a business. Huh? I mean, now it's starting to turn into that, right? But like I said, it's something very organic that started. Truthfully, it was, I was trying to connect to a psychologist that, a PhD that was a Latina because I wanted to have a licensed therapist or a psychologist on my podcast that was Latina to talk about toxic relationships because I wanted it to be a culturally connected conversation because I think there's a lot of historic trauma too that needs to be unpacked when it comes down to talking about toxic relationships in our community. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was like, I need to have somebody who really understands like the core of you know, where these are coming from and can people move past these situations? I'm not talking about like physical abuse, but like toxic, you know, when it's getting bad. 
it was a challenge. I couldn't find her. I was looking for this one particular person. And I was just like, this is impossible. Like I'm going through Instagram and like Facebook hitting my sorority sisters and like the fraternity, the brother fraternity. And I'm like, this is impossible. I can't believe that I cannot find someone not, not that's podcasting, but like that is just connected. I'm like, where is this stuff? And then I find out later about Latinx um, therapy, which is actually um, a pretty awesome directory. Obviously I'm a huge advocate for mental health. And I think it's amazing what they're doing with that directory and what they're trying to do for, for the community in general. So like if you're looking for a therapist who can connect to you culturally, like I honestly, this is not an ad. This is just me being very <laughs> genuine about, you know, the amazing work that they're doing with that directory. But anyway, long story short, I was like, there's no space for us. Where are the podcasters? I didn't even know, mm. you know, where are they? Like I you know, you can type in Latina in iTunes and yeah, people will pop up, you know, right. Cafe Con Pan will be there, but where are the rest really? of us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It shows up. Or Latinx. Yeah. Latinx therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Adriana. I love her. She's been on the show. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I branded her show. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. 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 I love that. But uh, yeah, I agree. There's no place. There's no house. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing too, right? Like we're, we're growing as such a huge community in this country and and I learned this through pretty much every position I've ever had is like the list is powerful. The connection is powerful. The way that you control your narrative is through empowering others, but also educating them on the things that you have access to. And we are, we do a disservice to ourselves if we don't share the knowledge that we have with others. Like, you know, I'm all about workshops and everything. And, and I think it's really important. But one of the things that I really try to do for the community in like Facebook lives is to allow people to connect to the podcaster and also allow them to share the knowledge that they have with the people that are in the community. So I think it's extremely important, right? Even if it's just a tidbit that you share today, you just made somebody's podcast that much better so that one, when sponsorships come around, like, you know, I was mentioning to you earlier, we have the ability to connect to that and help people get noticed. And we amplify a pod de la semana every week. And, you know, as you were one of them, and like, what's great about that too, is like, we get to see the community up for, like here, like in front of us, visualizing. And we're also empowering others to launch their podcasts. And I've already seen collaborations through the page. And I'm just like, well, this is crazy. You know, like people who were not connected before, they're just like seeing each other. And to be visible and to be present is so powerful because I think, you know, like we were saying earlier, sometimes you don't have that energy to keep going. Sometimes you don't. But now that we have una hermandad de Latina podcasters, you know, it, it empowers other people. And I want it to be inclusive. I want it to be very inclusive. And, and you know, I'm not trying to like upset anybody by using the word Latina. It's just the word that I identify with personally. You know, I know that we are in a, a place of transition when it comes down to community. So if you identify or don't identify, I want you guys to feel empowered. But this is definitely a group that was created for a sisterhood. But we are open to the community in general. I try to be very cautious about that because I remember when I was younger, if something was changing and I wasn't open to it or when older people weren't open to it, it felt like as if they were personally trying to take a jab. And I don't want anybody to feel that way. I want the sense of community and connectivity regardless, you know? Mm -hmm. I think N Nicole and I both stand very strong on that space. Nicole Hernandez is actually the other co-founder for Latina Podcasters. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the story of what we're doing. And right now we're on, we have a private Facebook group and then we have the Instagram and I launched the directory finally. 
So you can actually go on to latinapodcasters.com and there's submit your podcast for the podcasters who want to be found. And then there's the directory for other people who want to actually listen to other Latinas who are podcasting. You know, we encourage everyone, if you're here in the States or if you're in Honduras or Puerto Rico, or if you're in France, wherever you're living, if you consider yourself some sort of connection to being part of the Latin American culture, even if you're fourth generation and your great-great-grandmother was from Mexico and you consider yourself Latin, we want you to be part of this community. So I love it. How fun. And that is the power of community, right? That's how communities and tribes were built back then. Humans are creatures of community and camaraderie and collaboration. So creating a space for this that's super needed. I love it. Thank you for creating it. Thank you. I mean, I, you know, like I said, it grew organically out of nowhere. And I think that that's the sign, as I mentioned earlier, it's a sign of something that's re- that was meant to happen. Like when it mm-hmm. starts organically and then from there you grow and, you know, create a space. But, you know, it's kind of like what Anna did with We All Grow, right? Like you see that there's a space and there's a need for this because nobody's necessarily collectively speaking for the community. And the only way that people make sure that we're they're taking care of people properly is by making sure that there are voices that will collectively come together to have that conversation. So we're excited and we want to collaborate with everyone and, you know, just really make sure that we're listening to what you need and what you want. And I mean, we're not the owners of this podcasting space, but we do want to be able to lead the charge on making sure that things are being done and get other people charting. For sure. And that's the power, right, of having a selfless attitude of like, this is for all of us. I love it. I love it. I I support. I support. Okay, Rita, do you have anything else that you want to share? No, honestly, right now, I think this is probably the most important thing. You know, obviously, just making sure people are being healthy and taking care of themselves during this outbreak. Yes. But yeah, no, uh, you know, honestly, I, I encourage everyone truthfully. Like if you see that there's a space that you can fill and help other people with, don't leave this world without doing it. Because waiting for somebody else to do something that you have been empowered to do, it's never going to happen. And if it does, it's not going to happen with your vision and it's not going to happen the way that it should happen. Right. And so like, I encourage everybody, you know, stay curious and do it because we need to be on the forefront. We need to change the narrative of all the negativity that's happened with the community here in this country. Because, you know, when you surround yourself around such positive people and you get to see everybody who's working together, everyone who's doing something to change that narrative, it makes you realize how much the media is really telling a story that's not 100% true. And if you want that to look different, then it's up to you to create it. Boom. Boom. (laughs) Mic drop. Okay, so last two questions. Do you have a remedio that you want to share? Yoga and water, you guys. Like, I think we don't take into consideration how important it is to stay hydrated. I love myself some cocktails, don't get me wrong, but you'll also see a glass of water right next to it all the time. Yeah, stay hydrated. And whether yoga, I mean, maybe yoga isn't necessarily the space that I meant, but like, if it's a spiritual space or if it's just like a meditative space or, you know, you go to church on Sundays or whatever to help you stay grounded. I think it's extremely important for you to make sure that you're always making room for that Mm. because it feeds your soul. It feeds your mind, but it also helps the way that you interact with the world as well. Totally. And do you have a quote or mantra that you live by? Yes. Push yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. Nice. 
Very good. Okay. Tell us where can we find you? Sure. So on Instagram, you can find me personally, Rita E. Bautista. You can find Latina Podcasters at Latina Podcasters on Instagram. Well, we're on Facebook as well. Um, you can search for us as Latina Podcasters. And you can find me on Facebook also and any and LinkedIn. I'm all under my name, Rita Bautista. Awesome. Thank you, Rita, for being here, for sharing with us, for being so selfless for the community and and wanting to create more spaces for us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to hear this later. I know. <laughs> I'm excited too. Listeners, stay shining. ¿Qué tal, eh? That was read about this there. I loved how she saw an opportunity, she looked for the solution, and because it wasn't there, she created Latina Podcasters. And now Latina Podcasters is a whole network that not only brings Latina Podcasters together, but also creates opportunities for all of us to continue rising. I hope you are inspired and enjoy this episode. Screenshot it and tag me, tag both of us on Instagram. Let us know what you loved about this. If you're new here, welcome. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to help us gain more visibility online so other people like you can find us. Let's hang out. Join us inside the free community for recovering procrastinators at stayshining.club. And this week, of course, I want to give a shout out to my patrons. Let's give a shout out for all of your support to Jennifer, Joanna, Lucy, Edith, David, Nancy, Melissa, Mary, Angela, Martha, Priscilla, Adrian, Aida, and Maribel. Thank you so much for supporting me. Thank you so much for joining the Tapping Circles and for showing up for yourself. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you're interested how to join my Patreon community, head over to patreon.com forward slash Cafe Podcast. Don't forget to follow at Cafe Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I want to send some strength to all the families, all the people going through the fires right now in California, to the families of the Black people that continue to be killed in this country. I want to send so much strength to everyone. Also to those still going through the hardships that came with COVID, because it's a, it's a very real global crisis that we're all going through. So sending some strength. Holding space for you to feel whatever it is you need to feel. So I send you strength. So you can stay shining. <laughs>